We want to welcome all those by way of television today to Olivet United Methodist Church here in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, and we wish that you could attend wonderful meal immediately following our worship service, but this is a delayed broadcast. We realize that a number of you are listening by way of television and by radio, way of radio and Facebook and other means of communication, and we're just blessed. We had a wonderful Sunday school class that kind of really, really looked into the fact of, of fruit, and regardless whether you're a pew sitter or a president of the United States, we need to look at the fruit, our, our children and what our children are, are bringing into the world. And as we begin our service today, we turn to our opening hymn, Rejoice, the Lord is King, Purple, number 715. If you've been seated for a while and you want to stand, as you turn in our purple hymnals to number 715, Rejoice, the Lord is King. Amen. I particularly like that last verse, the trump, the very trump of God shall sound rejoice. Let us turn to our next praise song, Majesty, Worship His Majesty, Purple Number 176. To the honor and the glory of God and the anniversary of Kurt and Linda Cotville, who occasionally join us. So um, we greet you on a very happy, happy anniversary. Purple Number 176, please.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Chris, would you get me out? Let us go before the Lord in prayer as we remember the men who concerns. Um, I just heard from one of our faithful Bible students, I'm Jim Kreider. I grew up with Jim. His father and my mother somewhat dated in high school, and they just recently celebrated their, I think, about 75th high school reunion. Jim just informed me this morning, just a few minutes ago, that his father had passed away, so we keep Jim in our thoughts and prayers, and he always tags us on, on YouTube and on television, and he's a regular on Wednesday, among many others that, that join us. Again, I want to thank all those who were part of decorating the church. Whenever you go and list names, faces in the bulletins, we kind of forget some, but we do hope that you'll understand. And those who joined, we just really appreciate. While we had our administrative board last week, and we decided on a number of areas we're going to continue as a church, we're going to continue with the church irregardless of rumors that may be circulating. We will be continuing as a church. We do appreciate your prayer support, your financial support. If you're from the state of Wisconsin, we still accept your, your donations and, and across the border, across area, all the way to Superior. We're a Packer backers when the, when the Vikings seem to kind of slide away from the number one position. There's going to be a real border battle today, so do pray that irregardless of what team you're supporting, that you support the cause of Christ and all those Christian, Christian athletes. One of the greatest turnouts in many of my congregations was when I had um, Viking, Viking football players come and share their testimonies. Middle linebacker who was a wonderful Christian in that, I had him share on a Sunday morning. And he was sharing about all the things that he was going to talk about and share about. And, you know, his wife started to wave at him, and, and they had a little code going back and forth that, that he always wanted to make sure that his wife got a lot of the credit for his success as a Viking. And she was waving at him, and he was struggling and struggling a little bit. And I kind of pick up that there was some um, communication that was going and she was kind of throwing kisses, and that was kind of the K-I-S-S, keep it short, stupid, was all. And as he went to introduce his wife, he could not remember her name. Can you imagine publicly not being able to remember her name? And this guy did not have any traumatic brain injuries or not. And then I, I mentioned I kind of helped him out, you know. So um, we do pray our Packer fans and our our Viking fans and I always kind of miss that big packet that was out in the corner you remember that big inflatable that they'd have out there that packet I don't know if somebody blew it away or what what happened so we just hope that we can comfortably agree you know I'm from a high school and a college background of football and I just whether we would win or lose we just appreciated the sportsmanship let us go before the Lord in prayer now. Father, this morning as we enter into this Thanksgiving season, we are thankful for sports, we are thankful for worship, we are thankful for the freedoms that we can have to come and go, and we do pray for that mighty game that's going on this afternoon that may be cutting down on those who are attending today. We thank you for the meal and the, the amount of food that we have. And it's just unfortunate that this telecast is delayed because we could honor many individuals. We just hope and pray that those who listen to our telecast by way of radio and television and YouTube and all means of communication, that, that they will have the food of the Spirit today along with physical food as we remember the multitudes of our veterans who are homeless. And we, we pray, Father that there would certainly be food on the table for those who have defended their countries and have entered into a commitment to serve God and country. And as we enter into this Advent season, as we look forward to the families that will step forward and 
the lighting of the Advent wreath. And this truly is a season of Advent expectation of the coming of Christ as we renew our commitments to Christ. It's a, it's a season of thanksgiving and, and help us all to be more intentional to voice the blessings of, of our thanksgivings in life. And as we overlook the past year and as we focus into a new year, there's much to be overwhelmed with, but there's much to be thankful for that even though uh, many who originally started listening to our telecast by television and by radio and YouTube, they were unchurched and they were lost without Christ and now they're found because of the television ministry and the radio ministry and in all means of communication, we just are blessed that people are writing in and letting us know of the decisions for Christ that they've made because of all of it, United Methodist Church. And it's because of that call upon each of our hearts, a call of evangelism to, to Robbinsdale and, and the outreach for the wonderful news that could have been given and is being given to a lost community and a lost family and those pockets of rejection and those pockets of unbelief. And in the confusion of today, as we are literally drowning, we are drowning in information and we're drowning in opinions, we're drowning in facts and, and competing voices with views on mask or not mask or vaccine or not mask and border security. And as we look to Israel, that God says there's a blessing for those who bless Israel and there's a curse, a curse for those who curse Israel. And as we look at the, our information, infrastructure and the, the military which leads to continue almost chaos that clouds the minds of the population and we look for defense and local and national defense as we pray for our local law enforcement this this is where faith and religion when we we enter into our time of prayer we need to remember the needs of not only ourselves but others that are awake and alert while we are sleeping. We realize that religion and politics has welded the traditions and beliefs of the public into a mindset never to be questioned. And we, we pray, Father, for a, a, a keen understanding for pro-life, that if we, as a, a nation, are, are willing to leave our unborn unprotected, we, we realize that, Father, we call fall under your condemnation. We pray for the minds and the bodies of those who seek freedom, who seek life, that if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become as new. And Lord, we are so thankful. We cannot underestimate or overestimate the thankfulness for our, our partners in prayer and our partners in giving and our friends, it's partners and friends like you that are listening that have invested in sacrifice so that, that our church can continue in this community and, and, and are changing lives for all eternity and also many others who are, have been called into service for God and country that have recognized our faithfulness to the military and the reality that if we, if we were not here and, and we were not preaching the good news, the vast numbers of souls that would go into eternity without Christ. And Lord, we are so thankful this Sunday. This Sunday as we um, view a movie, we pray your blessings upon our food and our, our fellowship. And we pray for an, a deeper understanding of the power of the gospel to transform the lives of, of the lost. And now as we look back to the old year and look into a new year of Advent and preparation and coming and thanksgiving, we can run the credits of the call to evangelism. It's, it's your name and it, that we see rolling across the screen of God's television. It's, it's your hours of prayer and financial giving that's offered to the Lord on our behalf and the dollars you have sent that have left multiplied thousands to the cross on which Christ died 
providing forgiveness and eternal life to all who would hear and respond to the knock of the doors their hearts. For in the Bible, I'm reminded again in my own prayer life that as Jesus healed ten lepers, but only one came back to say thank you, we, we do not want that to be our legacy. We want to be thankful, Lord. We want to be very intentional to recognize your many blessings. In this Thanksgiving, Chris and myself and the Tabor family and the church family, the all of it United Methodist Church, along with our faithful, loving staff, say a, a big thank you to everyone for the run of soul winning that will last for all eternity. And we thank you, Lord, this morning that as we look at the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, oftentimes John is a neglected gospel. John is, is neglected this time of season, but John deals with the creation story in, in a much more holistic way. He, he explodes right on the beginning about the word, the, the word becoming flesh and dwelling in Jesus. And we pray that the word of God would become Jesus in our hearts and our lives as you have taught all of us to pray, saying together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you're listening by television or radio or YouTube or other means of communication this morning, our scripture reading is from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and we encourage you to have your, your Bibles with you. And um, when I first became a Christian at probably the age of about four or five, I was given a Bible, and I still have that Bible, and it's, it's um, losing some pages. I used to use that Bible as, as a pillow, and I would use that to prop my head up, and when I'd go camping, and I should have brought that Bible to the pulpit this morning. In future Sundays, I'll bring it, because the, the, the Word of God says we are to hide that, that truth, to hide the Word of God you know, in our hearts and our minds and our body and our souls and spirit and ultimately the two greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit and the neighbor as yourself. So let us all join as we look to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 this morning, please. John's Gospel begins with a, a number of truths here. Unlike Matthew and Mark and Luke, we'll be getting into those the pericope passages, the, the vision that, that God has for you and I this time of the year. The word become flesh, and what was the word? Jesus. Jesus became flesh. And you can look at that uh, in our particular Bibles. We can look back to Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 2. But in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being? In him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. This time, as Mike comes, we were getting a little worried because he normally arise a little bit earlier and and Robin came up and Robin said she can come down from all of her technical duties and she can fill for Mike. So Mike, we're glad you arrived. So am I. Did you need a choir robe or anything this morning? Only if it's green and gold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. I did uh, John chapter John chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, so hopefully double your blessing here. Our first verse says, in the beginning. This word references the beginning before time even existed. 
This is a hint to God's unlimited past. It may be difficult to conceive of, but God always was, is, and will be. He's not the I was or I will be. He's always the great I am. As humans, we need a time reference, reference to measure because eternity is foreign to our existence. He had being and was present before time was created as a reference point created time for, as a reference point for us to measure. Without tripping over this thought, we can just say that God was pre-existence and forever his existence will be. This first verse lays down the foundation of our concept of the Trinity because Jesus was the physical presence of the Word and furthermore, it says the Word was with God. We'll never have the privilege of knowing God's real name until we meet him. It was uncommon, or it was common, not uncommon, sorry. It was common for the ancient Jewish people to refer to God himself as the Word. When our Bible says he is the Word, we should take it quite literally. The Word in these verses should be considered as having forward motion. If it's in something moving, it has that motion. Nothing within God's creation is stationary and, and unmoving. Everything God has created is either moving, is moving towards its end or a transformation. Absolutely everything God created falls under this law of forward motion. Consider that for a moment. Everything in, in and from God's creation is either moving towards an end or a transformation or a new beginning. God is omnipotent and his creativity is found everywhere, but nothing in his creation is permanent and unchanging. Nothing. Our, first, our fourth verse says today that he is life. The ancient Greek word used for life is zeal. Zeal's definition is life principle. The word for life is not bios. Bios only has one meaning life, existing life. The meaning of the word zoe used here isn't alone because it also means spiritual life is created along with physical life. That's what he's graced us with, physical life. Then we are told that he is life. Bringing light or life anywhere into any dark situation extinguishes or erases the darkness. It can't destroy it, but darkness can cover and disguise the light. That's all it can do. John was sent on earth to bear witness to the arrival of Jesus, our internal life, light. John the Baptist's job was specifically to bring people to realize that the light was there among them. This witness was an attempt to turn people from the darkness they're naturally in to the light when they became faithful to Jesus. The word witness used here for John doesn't simply mean talking about, doesn't just mean he said. John was committed. This means he was sincerely and wholeheartedly committed in sharing the good news of the arrival of the light, Jesus Christ. In verse 10, it says he came home to this world, talking about the Lord now, and the world's population didn't know him. I thought, that's difficult to even comprehend. The people he created on the world he created didn't recognize him? How emotionally painful this must have been for Jesus. I thought of an example to give so maybe we'll have an idea of how Jesus felt. Say you built a house, a new home for your family, but you had to go out of town, and while you were gone, the building of this new home was completed, and you moved your family in. Well, you got back from where you were and returned to your new home and your family. They didn't know who you were. That's emotionally unthinkable for me. And I can imagine that being time billions of times, billions of times over and over and over and over for Jesus. When he came back 
the very people he was tortured and died for didn't recognize him? That's, I'd like to say it's unthinkable, but I, it's not. It happened. Jesus didn't feel any less emotional hurt than we would if that happened to us. As a matter of fact, like I said, you can multiply that pain and, and emotional distress billions of time over. Because every person, every human being that has ever lived, is living, or will live, is under Jesus' grace. All they have to do is reach out in faith and grab it. Thank you. I want to challenge those who are here possibly get on your cell phones and invite as many people as you can think. Because I know my wife alone made enough food for almost an, a small army or air force. And then I, I noticed a couple other crock pots that are almost the equivalent. And I can guarantee you that, you know, my wife and I, along with our children, we normally um, kind of split uh, beef. We get um, a total on beef from a, a friend of mine who retired from the military and also retired from Todd County Social Services and he raises uh, low-fat, high-protein, no-shot black Angus. Our particular crock pot is filled with that, that form of hamburger. Um, and I know that if you're hearing us delayed by radio or television, you're already beginning to salivate, you know, and, and, and you're probably getting hungry again. I say that to encourage you to be with us on Sunday rather than listening to delayed broadcasts. I grew up seeing scripture around my house and my grandmother's, and Above my crib, I can still remember this, above the crib was John 3.16. It was a blue, high, highlighted in white, gone, John 3.16. And I think even before I learned to read, I asked what that plaque said. And I was told, for God so loved the world, and then I was told I was a part of the world, that whosoever believeth, and I was a whosoever, believeth in Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. Now you find that about three chapters into John. So from chapter 1 through chapter 3, you find a, a tremendous prologue of the, the birth story. Now we celebrate at our Sunday schools and our Christmas Eve programs. We deal a lot with Matthew or Mark or Luke's account of, of the Christmas story. But here we have in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, the apostle, uh, the, the follower of Jesus, John, dealing with that. And I want to deal with this because I became very mindful of this at a Billy Graham convention where Billy Graham invited Chris and I out to Anaheim, California. And the emphasis was on John. And we were counselors, and, and we dealt with those individuals that came forward and probably even many of you have received uh, the Gospel of John. Um, according to John, the Gospel of the Good News, and Billy Graham would hand those out for many years. Lois, Roy and Lois Eastville worked for the Billy Graham organization. They accumulated a lot of these Gospel tracts. They gave them to me, and I used them. I would stamp the Methodist stamp on them, and I'd hand them out and dispense them at washrooms and other cafes and that. And many people would respond by saying to the Gospel of John, because once the Gospel of John, once you read the Gospel of John, you find many stories of Jesus. And always in the last two or three pages, they would have my decision. Now, the decision magazine is still printed, and we've got that for, you know, ages. The decision magazine, because uh, from the Billy Graham organization, they, we, we all have to make decisions for Jesus Christ. It's, it's not because of our parents. Um, it's because we need to. We studied in our Sunday school class today that oftentimes the fruits of people, the fruits are our children. Whether you're uh, in the pulpit or the, or the pew or the president, 
Look at, look at the children and how oftentimes the children turn out, your legacy. Well, we find here in the Gospel of John, which begins with, with these verses, these brief verses, John 1, 1 through 5, that it is in many aspects very unlike, very unlike the, the other three Gospels. These, it contains many things which the other Gospels omit. It omits many things which they contain. Good reason might easily be shown for this unlikeness. But it's enough to remember that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John wrote under the very direct, it's a very direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit and of God. In the general plan of their respective Gospels, the good news, and in their very particular detail, that in everything they record and everything that they do not record, they were all for equally and entirely guided by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit inspired. <coughs> About the matters which St. John was, was specially inspired to relate to in his Gospels, one general remark will, will suffice. The things which are very peculiar to John's Gospel are among the most precious possessions of the Church of Jesus Christ. No one and no one of the four gospel writers except John has given us such full statements, full statements about the divinity, the divinity of Christ, about justification by faith, about the offices of Christ, and about the work of the Holy Ghost, and about the privileges Privileges that you and I as believers in Christ have as we read in the pages of John's Gospel. And none of these great subjects undoubtedly have Matthew or Mark and Luke. They've been silent. But in St. John's Gospel, they stand out prominently on the surface so that one who runs may read. It's interesting, the acoustics of this church I don't know if you're like, like me in the pulpit. You can almost hear what's going on in the narthex. It's just kind of projected. So we, we encourage maybe the doors to be closed when any conversations are going on in the, the narthex there. Now the five verses now before us, they contain a statement, a statement of our matchless sublimity concerning um, the divine nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus... Jesus is above all question whom St. John means when he speaks of the word. I'm surprised when I do a little public questioning and discussions among, among people, and, you know, I'm almost amused when we see television programs going out and interviewing people on, you know, who possibly could be the president of the United States or who's the speaker of the house or whatever, or or Christians that go out and ask about naming one gospel in the New Testament. And so-called people that testify about being Christian, they, they have a hard time coming up with even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in the book of John, you see Jesus Christ, above all, he's speaking about himself as the word, as the word. No doubt there are heights and depths in that statement that which are far beyond our understanding. In seminary, we spent months and sometimes years on just dealing with the divinity and the humanity of Christ. And we'd often talk and use the Gospel of John for references in the divinity of Christ. Jesus had glory with the Father in John 17, verse 5, it says, before the world was made, that Jesus had fellowship with God before the world was made. John chapter 17, verse 5. Jesus was existing when matter, imagine, when all the createdness, when all the matter that you can possibly think of 
when all the matter was first start created and before time began. Jesus was before all things, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus was from all eternity. We learn, secondly, that our Lord Jesus Christ is a person, is a person that's distinct from God the Father and yet one with him. That's why, you know, even today, we struggle with the Trinity, the concept of the three-in-one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, yet distinct, yet one. Whether it be space and time, past, present, or future. St. John tells us the, the Word, the Word was with God. The Father and the Word, though two persons, are joined by this inevitable union. It's a union. I stand before you today as a, a son, also a, a husband, also a, a father, and also a grandfather. Where God the Father was from all eternity, there was the Word, even God the Son. Their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal, and yet their Godhead, their Godhead was one. This is a great mystery that the Bible talks about. Happy is a person who can receive it as a little child without attempting, without attempting to explain it. And we learned, thirdly, that the Lord Jesus Christ is very God. Very God. What do we mean by very God? John tells us that the Word was God. He is not merely a created angel or a being that's inferior to God the Father and invested by him with the power to redeem sinners. He's invested. He is nothing less than the perfect God, equal to the Father as touching his Godhead, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the world. And we learn, fourthly, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator, the creator of all things. St. John tells us that by Jesus were all things made, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. That so far from being a, a creature of God, as some heretics have falsely asserted, as like the Jehovah Witnesses, Jesus is the being who who made the worlds and all that they contain, according to Psalmist, Psalm chapter 60, verse 8. He commanded, and they were created. And we learned lastly this morning, if you've been maybe sidetracked by the wonderful smells that are coming from the kitchen, lastly we learn that the Lord Jesus Christ is the source of all spiritual life and light. And I'm sure many of you listen Sunday to Sunday and by way of radio and by way of television. I, I've recently spoken to the lady that used to sit her little children down in daycare and they used to listen to us. Wanted to make sure that under her here, they were receiving some source of spiritual life and spiritual light. And that's the mission of all of it, United Methodist Church, to always produce spiritual life, spiritual life and spiritual light. And we studied in our Sunday school today that, that if a family does not produce spiritual life and spiritual light they'll never see it in their children whether it be the, the pew or the pulpit or the presidency of the United States you can judge the fruit you can judge the fruit what kind of spiritual life and what kind of spiritual light are you giving I'm always amazed and I know I bring up the Peterson family a lot I dearly and deeply miss Vern. And I know I mentioned a lot of things about Vern, but I'm 
I'm kind of leaning more on Janet because Janet was a, the one that would take care of the children oftentimes when Vern was on the road. And I asked her here a few Sundays ago, how'd you do it? And she said, well, just, it was one of those God moments, you know. John tells us that in Jesus was life and that life was the light of humanity. Jesus is the eternal fountain from which alone the, the sons and daughters of men and women have ever derived life. That whatever spiritual life, L-I-F-E, or spiritual light, L-I-G-H-T, Adam and Eve possessed, before the fall, there was Christ. There was Christ. Now, I, I can't help but want to pick on Kim for a little while this morning, because I know that Ken and Flo Cogswell, the greatest experiences they had when they came to church was when they were with their family. It's unfortunate that many families don't wake up to that fact and realize the importance of, of families being together. Oftentimes, many families will come to me after a service and they say, you know, we try to recall moments in our life that were really meaningful, and it seems like it, it all surrounded the church. It all surrounded the church. And I learned very early, some almost 50, 60 years ago, whenever I publicly spoke, I always encouraged, whether it was a Father's Day or a Mother's Day or some significant anniversary, the greatest gift that you can give people is to be together in church. That if your children or grandchildren ever asked you what would you want for your birthday or your anniversary, just tell them, be in church with me. Be in church with me. Create that memory that's, that'll never be lost and it'll go on into all eternity. St. John reminds us and tells us that in Jesus was life and that life was 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 the light of men and women, boys and girls. Jesus was that eternal fountain which, which alone the sons and the daughters continued to light. Whatever spiritual life and light Adam and Eve possessed before the fall, thank God that Jesus Christ restored it. Whatever deliverance from sin and spiritual death any child of Adam has ever enjoyed since the fall, whatever light of conscience or understanding anyone has obtained, all has flowed from Jesus Christ. And the vast majority of humankind in every, every age have refused to know Jesus. They have gotten the fall and, and they need their own salvation and they need their own Savior. The light has been constantly shining in the darkness. The more the most have not comprehended the light, tragically. Because the Bible says, broad is the highway to hell and narrow is the gateway to heaven. Most have not comprehended the light in life. But if any man or woman or boy or girl out of the countless millions of, of humankind have ever had spiritual life and have had spiritual life, they have owed it all to Jesus Christ. To Jesus Christ. And now such is the, is the very brief summary of the leading lessons which these wonderful verses appear to um, contain. There is much in them without controversy, which is above all reason, but there is not, nothing that is contrary. Nothing is contrary to it. There is much that we cannot explain and we must be content humbly to believe. And let us, however, never forget that there are plain practical consequences flowing from this passage of Scripture, which we never grasp too firmly or know too well. Father, this morning, would we know for one thing the exceeding sinfulness, the sinfulness of sin, let us often read these, 
these five verses of St. John's Gospel let us mark what kind of being the Redeemer of humankind must needs be in order to provide eternal redemption for we as sinners. If no one less than the eternal God, the creator and the preserver of all things, could take away the sin of the world, sin must be a far more abominable thing in the sight of God than most humankind suppose. The right measure of sin's sinfulness is a dignity of Jesus who came into the world to save sinners. If Christ is so great, then sin must indeed be sinful. Would we know for another thing the strength of a, a true Christian's foundation for hope? For hope? Let us often read these first five verses of St. John's Gospel. Let us mark that the Savior in whom the believer is, is bid to trust in nothing less than the eternal God, one who is able to save to the uttermost all that come to the Father by Jesus. Jesus that was with God and was God is also Emmanuel, God with us. Let us thank God that our help is laid on one that is mighty, according to the psalmist, that in ourselves we are great sinners, but in Jesus Christ we have a great Savior. Jesus Christ is a strong foundation stone, able to bear the weight of all world's sin. Jesus, and the one that believeth on him, shall not be confounded. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, we, we pray for those by means of the television and radio and YouTube and all means of communication. We pray for this prospect of our church being utilized in a more powerful way with the sharing of in the return of the Church of God and Pastor Carpenter and our, our daycare being utilized so that we can continue to exist. We, we thank the pray prayerful prayer warriors and those who financially support our church to make this possible. We are benefactors of so many before us, and we pray that we would lay that foundation of hope and sustenance and may we dedicate our lives to that eternal being that we may be, become more like Jesus. May we make this commitment by praying audibly. Dear Jesus, bless me. Equip me with your power with your gifts of boldness and courage. And I thank you, Lord, for forgiving and coming into my heart and life, for being willing to die so that I may live. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank all those by way of television that continue to pray for us and those financial gifts that are sent our way. Um, we do continue to pray for the Hilda Fussell, Fussy family and the Betty Jean Foster family in the prayers for Vicki Brokoff and her family and many people by way of television that would like to keep their names confidential. When we pray, we, we know that God knows we're thankful for Joe and Jeannie Winterrode, and Janet Peterson, and Kim, and Chris Larson, and others for decorating the sanctuary of our Advent Church. And many people have mentioned to me, "Why don't you, why don't you put up those decorations early and keep them up longer?" And I've tried to do that, and um, because it is, it is a real reminder of the coming of Christ. Advent means coming of Christ. So as we wait upon you for your offerings this morning, would you join me in the prayer that's printed in your bulletins this morning? God of majesty and power, you have dominion over all the universe, and yet you chose to rule not in power but in love. The gifts we give to you are not given from fear 
or in a petition for your favor, but in the deepest gratitude that all your blessings that keep us and sustain us, may our whole lives reflect to the world that there is one who rules us with love and compassion above all this world's nations and principalities. In the name of your Son, the Christ, we pray, amen. Our offertory hymn as the offering plates are circulated this morning is Jesus Shall Reign, Purple Hymnals number 157, please. Would you please stand with me? Mighty God, mighty preserver and 
builder of the universe, you, your work of creation and building is always before us. We give our gifts this day in hopes that we might be co-builders, co-builders with you in the creation of your kingdom here on earth. May our gifts also reach others in those gifts that are sent by way of television and radio. May our gifts also reach others who are hurting, who feel disconnected from your love, that they too may join us in the stonework of kingdom building. Those who have lost loved ones and grieving, whose mortar is the sharing of Christ's love with the world. In Christ our Savior and Redeemer, we ask your blessing now upon our food and our fellowship and our travels and our congregations and those who are joining us by way of television and radio and other means of communication. Meet our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any announcements this morning? I'm hoping that you've called at least a dozen people because there's plenty of food there. Whenever Mike makes a hot dish, there's enough for a dozen, right? Amen, and again, thank you all who decorated our church in that. We're looking for volunteers for the lighting of the Advent wreath um, the coming Sundays now. So let um, Chris know or myself know, and, and um, we have materials, or you can make up your own, own personal devotional. Would you take us out, please?